I couldn't be religious and gay. It was impossible. I was being marketed as some sort of like teenage it girl. When a girl kissed me on my 18th birthday, a whole other world opened up to me. I was a minor nuisance. Eight Australians will tell you about the choices that have led them to unexpected places. These are some of the stories you will hear on Let Me Tell You, a podcast where real people tell incredible real stories. Look for Let Me Tell You and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, June Osborne, and hello, Canada. Thank you for taking the call. How are you? Oh, I'm peachy. The weather's fine, too. You don't own me. I'm not your property. So take a shift in it'll be the eye of me. It's about getting Hannah. Uh, again with us? Welcome to Eyes on Gilead, a weekly podcast dedicated to The Handmaid's Tale. There is a lot going on in this show, and we think it helps to talk it out after every episode. I'm Fiona Williams, and I manage our online coverage of movies and TV here at SBS, and I'm joined by my friends, colleagues, and fellow resistors. Natalie Handley, Managing Editor of SBS Voices. Hello. Haiti Island, Channel Manager of SBS On Demand. Hi. And Sana Kadar, host of All in the Mind for ABC Radio National. Hi. Hello. We're in the second last episode of this season. I can't believe it. Mm. But look, we've just watched it. Episode nine of season four of The Handmaid's Tale. And it is called Progress. It's written by Ali Munro and Eric Tuckman, and it's directed by Elizabeth Moss. June and Luke work together to save Hannah. I think we have to try everything for Hannah. Reaching out to Lawrence and Nick for help. I'll get you, Hannah, if you get me. Ten of the kids you flew out of here. Serena and Fred greet unexpected visitors from Gilead. Surprise! Naomi. And Janine tries to assist Aunt Lydia when a handmaid in training goes on a hunger strike at the Red Centre. If you keep misbehaving, there will be consequences. Not just Ooh. any handmaid. Not just any <laughs> handmaid. Haven't I'm... I seen her somewhere before? I was waiting for when we would see her again. I, I was sure we would see her again. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, God, she's a handmaid now. Esther the Handmaid. Not a very happy one. <laughs> no. Fair enough. Understatement of the year. Yeah. She's uh, reminding me of someone else who went through the, the Red Centre a mm. few years ago. Mm. Mm. Wait, which who? Which person? Janine. Oh, right. Yeah. Are you sure Janine or Janine? I like, yeah. I get what you're saying. I think I am. Yes, Janine. <laughs> anyway, hold that thought. What stood out? Let's go around the room. Haiti. Well, on that theme, my my standout was the shot of Janine and Esther walking down the corridor at the Mm. end of the episode with that music behind it, that fantastic soundtrack, and just seeing this relationship grow between them is giving me a lot of tingles. (laughs) You're feeling the feels. Sana. Look, the obvious one would be Nick in June, right? Mm -hmm. And of course that was lovely. And and to see June just get a softness and lightness to her all of a sudden, which we haven't seen her have in Canada. That was great. But I'm going to say a different one. Mm. I'm going to say the thoughts and prayers line. We will continue to send you our thoughts. Because we all know how empty and hollow and infuriating that line is. And it was kind of hilarious to hear it in this context. So that was was my highlight. Yeah, that was a bit of a back at you kind of one, wasn't it? It was very delicious. Uh, People didn't see this, but Natalie just raised her hands (laughs) in praise when Sana just said that. Yep, yep. (laughs) That was such a highlight. Honestly, it was so good. Um, 
I am going to go really soppy because of course I am. I loved all the dad content. I was like there for Luke waving at Nicole in the car as she was like leaving with June. And I was there for Nick seeing um, Nicole and I was there for Luke crying over the pictures of Hannah, like all of the, all of that lovely stuff. I think, you know, Luke and Nick are always in the background and they don't get to be the dads that they want to be. And I think we got to really see that this time. And I really, I really enjoyed seeing their love for their children. That's lovely. A little darker dad content with Luke in that conversation, but uh, we'll we'll get to that too. Sorry not to kill your buzz there. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just bring us back down to earth again. Um... My funny moment was the Putnam visit mm-hmm. and the disclosure that Angela's a biter. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and maybe it's genetic. Oh no, that was a that was a very funny line. But it also occurred to me like just how much we've over the seasons, how much our worldview has expanded, you know, from the first season just in the house and under June's bonnet to now you can make calls to Gilead and yeah. like everyone's just popping over the border. And like this was always the case, but, you know, we've, our worldviews expanded as much as June's has across the season. So it was just a like, huh, <laughs> you can call Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I thought it was surprising, but cool. Yeah. All right. So we open in the next morning. I guess they've been talking through the night with, uh, with June and Luke after she's put it all all, all about Hannah on the table and they've had that conversation and we just open on a very, it's it's silent for, you know, almost about two minutes in stark contrast to how it ends, yeah. <laughs> very noisily. Yeah, just moments of reflection and then that direct eye contact between June and Luke, which I don't think we've had yet since she came back, not in that kind of direct proper eye contact. But, yeah, she's she's put the Hannah stuff out there. That was really nice. That was a really nice scene. The morning light coming through, fresh start, new day. And as always, if that's where they're starting, we know it's going to end somewhere else. I know. (laughs) (laughs) At night, yeah. And how. But from here, we find out what Luke's been doing all these seven years. You know, he's been putting in the work. He hasn't just been glum and, you know, upset. Moping and, and, and sad about June, but no mention of Hannah, which, you know, we, we kind of were worried about for a while there. He's actually been doing a lot behind the scenes, which I, yeah, again, really needed to see and really appreciated seeing. And I think June did too. It's kind of a reminder for me that their lives have so changed forever. And I know that we already know that, but like, it's not, it's not like what Lawrence says or even what Nick tries to say, which is kind of like, get over it, enjoy your happiness and freedom. It's kind of like, no, this is going to be them for the rest of their lives. Like if they, they will always wonder where Hannah is and they'll always try and get her. Like this is now their lifelong mission, you know? Yeah. So that was a, I thought that was a nice touch that they included that with Luke. Yeah. And he's been putting together like a dossier and says he, you know, going to lawyers and, um, but what does he say? Leaned on everyone in the embassy. There were failed lawsuits. He's tried to get information from activists on the ground and interviews with people who've escaped. Of course, that then points to the fact that he's tried everyone in Canada. June mm. is the biggest fish in Canada at the moment now. She's the VIP. Talking about her power so much in the first scene, <laughs> where's that going to go? But, um, you know, it does point to there's no one here other than June in the room who feels at a loss, who can help. So phone call across to uh, Joe, J-Law, over there in, <laughs> in Gilead. The um, power of Bradley Whitford. Like, um, for some reason, whenever I hear his voice, I just start smiling, no matter what shitty things he's saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, just keep talking. Um, but that scene, which comes fairly early on, mm. was um, 
just a real amazing set of dialogue. Like I think that's his only scene in the whole episode, right? So yeah. he's yeah. only he's, only, yeah, he's mm. only got a couple of minutes. What an impact that phone call has. So there is no spare lines. Every word, every sentence has to pack a punch. And it really does. But also the brilliance to it is that there's always another layer of meaning to it. It's never just straight up what it is. It's kind of like um, your friend is safe and sound in the red center. You know, like she's got Aunt Lydia to tuck her in at night. Like every everything is so <laughs> loaded. It's just like fantastic. I, I enjoyed that whole conversation. But the thing I really, really liked about it um, was that Luke got to hear what it's been like for her and Gilead because he was such an asshole. He was he so was. mean to her. And that's what she's been putting up with. Yeah, but he was an ally for June there. And Luke's seeing what all these allies are. Like he's already in that first scene with her. I forgot to mention, but, you know, she makes the point of Nick told me she was at home. And he goes, She's home? Home is here. Home is here with us. Yeah. So he's like, who is this Nick guy? Like, yeah, like he, yeah. I know he's met him, but still. But also, like, she's not home, and if he's telling you that. So I think that's already planting the seed for that later confrontation, subtle confrontation. But also when Lawrence says, your, your love, love fucks people up. Fucks people up. You're a fountain of heartache and trouble. Camera's on Luke. <laughs> he's oh, taking gosh, that was in. it? I didn't yeah, catch yeah. that. Wow. Uh, that whole time. So, yeah, those those breadcrumbs. I feel like scenes with um, Lawrence, they're always like a, a little roller coaster of emotion to watch him, right? Because he's saying those horribly callous things about 10 kids for Hannah. Okay, five kids for Hannah. Um, and then at the end, he's saying, try to move on. And he hangs up the phone and says to himself, if you can. So like you get the callous Lawrence, then you get the regretful Lawrence. And you're like, wait, where do I stand with you? And where do you stand? The whole thing is always really fascinating to watch. <laughs> so interesting, yeah. isn't it? Because mm. like I keep going back and forth. And I know that villains are complicated. But I thought, you know what? He's telling June to give up on Hannah. But I actually don't think that he would ever have given up on his wife. You well, know? exactly. Mm. Yeah. I think partly he's saying it also, though, because he says, you know, now is not a time for me to be stirring up trouble. Like he knows he's yeah. got, he's on very shaky ground, so he can't do anything for June. So that's partly why he's like, you got to let this go because I can't help you. He's also on the way up there as well. So... I don't know. Cause but Putnam still delicate. Laid, yeah, Putnam later says old war horses like me are on the way out because it was Lawrence yes. that yeah, yeah. now is the conciliator and, you know, he's he's more the pragmatic one, doesn't want to launch the airstrikes. But also, not that I want to give Lawrence any credit, but it is on a phone call and they do mention, like, phone calls can be overheard and, like, is it a coded conversation where he's saying that too? I don't know. That's a good <laughs> I, point. I know. I think I'm being generous, but I'm also just saying that for... Yeah, maybe. But in this coded conversation they are having, June does make an appeal like, you know, you're a good man, but um, he won't turn. So there's this devil's bargain he tries to put to her that she won't take and then she tries to coax him to turn because they need the big Mm. fish. I felt like when he offered up that sort of negotiation, yeah, 10 kids for Hannah, Mm. I just thought that was classic Lawrence just like just like playing with her, yeah. you know, like she's never going to agree to that. It's such an awful thing to say. Yeah. And mm. he just throws it out there just to like mess with her. And it's like mm. that yes. women in cages episode. Like it's the same sort of thing. He's always, you know, bargaining some lives for others. Yep. And it's very frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's definitely a callback to that because that episode was called Useful yeah. as well. And here it's about who are these useful allies that she's <laughs> picked up across the years. Um not Lawrence, I think we can probably, you know, not now anyway. Not, not now. Yet. <laughs> there might be not hope yet. But yeah. <laughs> it does also plant the seed in our minds as the audience that maybe something can be traded for Hannah. 
And yeah. if it's not 10 children or five children, then who else might it well, be? Well, I was wondering, is this is this episode and, and Luke's actions, is this setting up a potential like Nicole for Hannah trade? Exactly. Like, what is happening? Because Luke was so weird in that scene where he's he was. he's trying to get her to meet up with Nick, right? Like I was, I, I couldn't it. figure out. Yes, it was awesome, but I couldn't figure out what his play was fully here. It was very dark. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if it was that. And also, like, from the very first scene we see Luke and June, you know, they're sitting across from each other. And throughout this episode, they're sort of across from each Mm. other at odds, you know. So in that opening scene, in the scene where he's talking about Nick, um, and there was one other that I can't remember is in my notes. But like, they just, you know, you can see them from how they are on camera. They're at odds with each other. And they're tussling a little bit. It's confrontation, but it's the soft kind. Like they're having the argument they can't have. Yeah, that I've rewatched that scene a lot. That nighttime mm. one. It's you know he also the way OT plays it. Yeah, it's he's playing it as Elizabeth Moss played those scenes in Gilead of trying like soft power, trying to co- like it was because mm. the way she impersonated Bradley Whitford in the finale last time, he was impersonating June <laughs> in the, in the <laughs> scene where she's convincing him to go see Nick. Is that the one He's you're talking convincing about? her to go see Nick? Yeah, yeah. That's interesting because I thought, I thought if he was teetering on the edge a little bit, well, he's just he's uncomfortable clearly. But like you know when he like has that laugh and he says, "No, I don't want you to go see Nick," you know, like and then closes back up. I'm just like, what? You're losing it here a little bit. What is happening? I think he's definitely trying to plant the seed in June that Nicole could be a trade for Hannah. And I noticed also in that scene, he's got the mantelpiece behind him and over one shoulder is um is a circular mirror that. and yeah. over the other sol- shoulder is a rect- rectangular photo frame. It was very deliberate. Circles and lines mm. <laughs> every week. <laughs> I love that the line, like when he says to take Nicole and the line is... How's he going to say no to you if you bring him his daughter? There's a very subtle emphasis on his. his. Yeah. yeah. Oof. It's not our daughter yeah. anymore. It's his daughter. No, but as opposed to my daughter. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> why. Well. Yeah, yeah. But in a previous episode, when June had just arrived in Canada, he that's refers right. to Nicole as our daughter. Yeah. yeah. But so it's... there's a change there again. I think he's never quite connected or fully atta- been able to attach to Nicole because she is in some way a placeholder for Hannah, and, and but not Hannah to him. He's actually just sort of, I think, in a really tricky position of being her dad. I actually don't know if he calls her, if he, if he like when she is learning how to speak, is he going to say that I'm your father? Is, is, is she going to call him dad? I was thinking mm. he doesn't really have claim on Nicole because June is back now. Their relationship is fractured, really. At some, at some point, he's going to realise that June raped him and they have a really bad power dynamic mm. happening and their whole relationship could fall apart. That means his whole access to Nicole could like potentially fall apart as well. So, mm. yes, this is like... <laughs> this is his use of power. He's using the soft power in this one as a get back. Because also, it, like, his daughter, where's my daughter? Like, that's it. Because that, yeah. remember on the boat, she said to Moira, if he knows the truth about Hannah, that, that could be it for him. What's what, mm. the line on, on the boat episode. Yeah. And now he knows the truth about Hannah. I thought he this always could be knew. it. Not about the last time that oh, okay. she saw Got her. You. Yeah. And all that that entails. Yeah. It's a callback to that fear of June's that knowing everything could really push Luke. And I think there's a hint that yeah, maybe. And also, I just, I felt very uncomfortable in that scene because of June's discomfort. Like, she was really squirming under Luke's laser focus, questioning on all of this, right? Like, because mm-hmm. it's so I was awkward. Like, Leave her alone. The poor woman's been But it's a lot. guilt. Like, it's the guilt again. Yeah. Like, he's pushing the guilt button. Yeah. Um, 
you know. And you can't talk about an ex with your partner. Like, it's just, it's just not right. <laughs> yeah. Like, it just is so awkward. <laughs> and it also felt like he wanted to do it, but also was not ready for it. So, like, he's testing her to say, you know, do you think Nick would help? And then she says, oh, he would do anything for me. And <laughs> yes. I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> this is horrible. But it's also the guilt about always my daughter. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah, so just all the threat and the risk in, in that scene. Do you want me to meet up with Nick? <laughs> no. No, I don't want you to meet with Nick. Yeah, he's not an ex. Did you see? I mean, <laughs> he's an ex in the sense that, like, well, there's no carrying on with that relationship properly, is there? You know, like, that was a Gilead relationship. Well, also, like... He's Who's married. he married to? Yes, of course he's married. Like <laughs> the ring at the end. Of course he's married now. And I've, I, I'm, I was kicking myself. Like, why didn't I think of that? Like, because he's a commander. He's gone up in rank. And what do they get? They get nice young brides. Yeah, you there's know? no way he would have been left single. Yeah. Second marriage for him. Yeah. On the Nick stuff. I mean. Well, I mentioned in my, you know, highlight how June had such a lightness to her when she went in that scene. And that was what struck me the most, like the entire change in her body language, the smile that sort of spread across her face, the ease at which she moved and and was in his presence. Like none of this is happening in Canada. She's still amped up in Canada. Her and Luke are awkward at best and like a whole lot worse at worst, you know. Mm -hmm. So to see her in such comfort with him was like, it was really nice and really sad because I thought, you know, like Gilead tore her from her daughter initially, tore her from her husband, and now it's torn her between these two men too because she can't fully let go of Nick and and just try and be with Luke and she can't be with Nick at all, really. So I just, uh, yeah, it was lovely to see her like that, but also really sad, obviously. Yeah, it was mm. an easy reunion, wasn't it? Like the joking. He, he said, oh, hanging hey, in man. there. <laughs> Like, literal gallows humour. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and the romance of, like, I should have run away with you when I could have. And, and oh, the Hawaii stuff. Like, I just thought, I, I saw that scene and I thought, Fiona's rolling her eyes right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I just think that too. Like, you guys. <laughs> never had a chance. <laughs> yeah. Like, love what you've got, but it's not a long-term thing. That's fine. Enjoy it while you That was a really... Um, it was a beautiful scene again, more shafts of light coming in, mm. but they looked like a portrait. And you remember how they had that? Like when, when Nick got to have his moment after Nicole was born and it was like June and Nick in the in like the baby room yeah, holding right. her and that mm. looked like a portrait then. And it looked like a portrait now and that was really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Now Framed by the window. Exactly. Yeah, with the, with the light, as you mentioned. Like, but in contrast to the darkness in the house mm-hmm. that has, you know, descended mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a real contrast in those two But settings. also how lovely that, you know, he was preparing a dossier, anticipating her always wanting to know. You know, Nick and Luke have been working behind the scenes to try and help her in her quest to find Hannah. Her boys are off putting together dossiers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and I think as we learned, you can't really buy good gifts in Gilead. So <laughs> if you want to show your love, you really got to find other ways. <laughs> little freaky doll for little Nicole. <laughs> Hey, one thing, a little bit random, but um, we do see it in this episode, and I've been noticing it throughout, is June's ear tag. Yes. It's never actually left her. Yes. And what is the plan there? Why, Like, you know, because last, not last time, but, you know, several seasons ago, she, like, ripped that thing out. She mm. couldn't wait to get off of it. And, and why is she still keeping that there? What's that about? Yeah. And it's also prominent in shots, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. very much. I had thought, because it was prominent in the court, and I thought maybe they're keeping it in as a visual Right. Demonstration of the mm. lengths to which Gilead goes for ownership as, you know, you're literally branded and tagged. So I thought she was keeping it in as a 
tactic, you know, a strategy. Or, yeah, or is it some sort of like constant reminder that, you know, of where, where she's come from in terms of where Hannah still is? Like, is that, you know, some... Yeah. Part of Gilead that won't leave her that theories reminds that her. I don't know. So it was it was really prominent when she was saying goodbye to Nick. Like for some reason that ear kept being shown and her hair was behind it, so you could really see the tag. And I thought, why does she still have it? And I'm just afraid she's keeping it in because part of her knows that she's going to go back to Gilead. Mm. <laughs> well, she's not ready to let Gilead go yet. It's just a, a physical reminder that yeah. she hasn't quite left the state of Gilead. Mm. It seems painful, though. Whenever Luke accidentally touches it, like she flinches, like yeah. it, like you would want to get rid of that. So, yes, it's kind of every time I see it, I'm like, oh, why is it still there? What does this mean? Yeah, yeah. We can, we can, we can save our speculation on that. My long, long range prediction has always been that she will go back in. But I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> it was kind of tantalizing going through the, the little folio that Nick had put together and seeing these photos of, of Hannah and getting these little... These little bits what of information, these, like you know, oh, we've got some friendlies there exactly. that we've, we've made got names. contacts with, but it's hard to move around. There's lots of guardians, and in my head, I'm just, I'm just yeah. picturing June finding her way down there to and moving around. That, that's true. Don't, they were the clues there. Yeah, getting her getting out is impossible, is mm. what he says. So, what's your alternative there? And we found out that she's in Colorado, mm-hmm. Colorado, Colorado Springs. Springs. So now, which we have is not near the border. No, nowhere near the border. It is deep Gilead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm really worried about Hannah though because that girl is surely getting close to puberty and you know mm-hmm. being moved into to marriage because of Gilead's awful ways. I'm really worried about her age here. You know, mm. with as as every year that goes by, mm-hmm. there's only one direction for her to move in. Well, we know Esther is only 14. Uh, well, She's exactly. That's handmade. exactly it. Yeah. Oof. That's oh. why. Yep. Sorry to bring it down again. <laughs> I was say, speaking of people that we're worried about, um, high on my list is Janine. Is that... Um, well, it's so funny because, like, Lydia clearly is feeling some guilt. But in abusive relationships... This is the love bombing phase. This mm-hmm. is where like mm-hmm. your abuser scales it back and then they just love bomb you to make you feel like you are cared for and looked after. And every single time Lydia and Janine are in a scene together, I have like Whoopi Goldberg on my head saying, you're in danger, girl. You know, <laughs> <laughs> And I think Lydia's going to turn on you and this is going to end very, very badly. There was that important scene where Janine walks in on Lydia going through files of potential commanders that Janine could be posted with. And Janine sees that. And the next thing she does, the very next thing she does is start the conversation about Esther and how, you know, Esther needs someone to, you know, show her, remind her what's really going to happen. And I think Janine's being very strategic there. And I think she's deliberately trying to build an allegiance with Esther because she knows how this all works now and she's she's not ready to, to kind of be the victim as she has been before. But also positioning herself perhaps as like a trainer of new young, well, you know, handmaids that aren't quite towing the line as they should. But I also, I was really happy to see her and Esther get together because I was, my sadness for Janine was multifaceted. But one of the things was, you know, she's now back here without any of her buddies. She's completely alone. And now she's got Esther, someone she can, you know, work in cahoots with to try to do whatever they're going to try to do. See, I, while that all is true, I don't think Janine's aware of that yet. I mm-hmm. think it's like, because Janine is so emotion led. She's so empathetic that it's literally the threat of seeing Esther go through what she went through. Oh. You know, she's playing up. The, she overhears them talk about corrections that 
Elizabeth, Aunt Elizabeth just wants to rip out a tongue. She's threatening <laughs> that. So Janine's seeing... <laughs> Hello, as someone who had her eyeball plucked out because she played up. And someone did have their tongue removed, remember? Of course, yes. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. it is a very real threat that Janine has seen. Well, Janine has experienced those mm. kind of corrections because she played up that first time. So, yeah, I think just here it's not strategic yet. Well, because the whole talk of precedent in this episode, a couple of people mentioned precedent. Consider the precedent. They think special treatment towards Janine is setting a precedent. But, yeah, Janine's all about just trying to not make what happened to her the precedent for Esther. I think we've been told several times now that we shouldn't underestimate Janine. Yeah. So I'm trying not to underestimate Janine. Oh, totally. Here. No, no, yeah, that, that's what I meant. Like, I'm sure that Isaac will play out, but I don't think she's aware of that yet. See, yeah. I, I, I very much thought she was aware of the strategic play she was making there. But who knows? Mm. That was just my, my mm. takeaway from yeah, that. Yeah, maybe. Because mm. I had such high hopes after I said that, like, Janine was looking steely in the last episode. I had really high hopes for this one. And then she looked broken again. And I was like, oh, what's wrong? No, see, the, because of what you said about her looking steely, I was primed for her to, like, be manoeuvring or doing something. And that's why my read was she was aware of the strategy mm. and she is trying to make herself useful in the red centre and stay there, you know, so she doesn't get posted out ASAP kind of thing. Can I put two words to you? Yes. Aunt Janine. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Well, but could yeah. that happen? Can a handmaid become an aunt? Like, aren't she, isn't she too sinful to ever play that role? Because if we're thinking again about what could happen in the season finale... And I wonder if one of Lydia's power plays will be that she'll manage to get the other aunts to agree to make Janine an aunt by the end, which mm. could set what? Janine up to appear in the Testament. That's what I think. Yeah, that that's kind of a hunch I have, but mm. I don't know. Which I'm actually really thrilled by, but also clearly I want Janine out of Gilead. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But I'm like, oh, she could be the Testaments then. <laughs> yeah. I don't want her inflicting pain, but also, you know, but if yeah, that can spare I- her some more assaults. Can Janine ever bring herself to, like, inflict pain on handmaids? Like, that's a central part of their role. That's how they keep them in check. I don't know. I don't know if I see But maybe it. she'll be the red centre, you know, mm. good cop. Yeah. Well, we know. Well, we don't know, no. But that whole scene with um, Lydia at the dinner table was very Last Supper, right? Yeah. So is someone there about to betray her is, like, the implication I'm wondering about? <laughs> Who of those aunts are, you know, going to betray? Who's the Judas? Lydia. Well, it's not Elizabeth. She was the one who yank out the tongue, so... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And just on the precedent thing, because Putnam brings it up as well, he uses it, the idea of a precedent as a convenient way to excuse why they haven't made any effort whatsoever to try and get Fred <laughs> out. Think of the precedent. Sorry, Fred. Yeah. <laughs> Which I loved very much. But then <laughs> with Serena, I say, you know, brings up the whole idea of precedent too. Well, Fred does too, but like saying, go write a book. <laughs> squeeze me. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't hate the idea. No, she didn't. But she did call him out on the whole reading thing. I thought that was was love bombing as well. And I thought, yeah, look, he's now, he he knows that he's done wrong and now he's trying to win her over again. Oh, that's smart, yeah. And none of this is true. Yeah. Uh, They are staying in the same room now. They are together again. Oh, are that's they in the a double same bed or queen maybe, but yeah, like it's Oh, it's I a just thought he bed. was visiting. Yes, yeah, oh, is he actually Oh. Ugh. Oh, yeah. Two, there's two lamps, two bedside tables. That's the first way we've seen that room done up that Guys, way. Guys, can I tell you what one of the most horrifying images in this episode was as a Torontonian? Was seeing that little Leafs jersey uh, for the baby. I was like, "Oh my god, no, this can't be happening. Toronto cannot love this well. The baby is pure. You know, the baby hasn't done anything, but they can't love this couple." Oh, that is so funny because um because my my low light of the episode and I was like who is the evil genius that like came up with this to give the baby boy 
a baby commander's outfit. (laughs) I just wanted to throw something at the screen. I was like, what? But also the two parts of the baby. Like, is this baby going to stay in Canada and become, you know, somewhat normal? Or is he going to carry on Gilead ways and become a commander? Like, what's what's the future hold? Yeah. Mm. I I love the Naomi Putnam scene. Oh, my gosh. So good. (laughs) So good. good. (laughs) It was every level of that. I was lapping it up. Um, Especially, like... I pled my case for months trying to visit, but... Your due date approaching, they finally gave us permission. Yeah, sure, you tried. Yeah, I know. I I totally believe you. But then Putnam makes a lie of that in his catch-up with Fred. But, yeah, it's like, yeah, sure you did. (laughs) (laughs) Don't believe you, Naomi. But, yeah, that scene of the, they're coming there to steal your baby, Serena. Yes, that was so good. That was so great. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's so weird. Like, I'm so reveling in that. I'm like, this is so evil, but I kind of have taken on June's thing that she wants, you know, Serena and and the others to hurt as she hurt. So I'm kind of like feeling that internally. And I'm like, yes, Serena, this, imagine what this would feel Mm -hmm. like if this actually happened to you, how horrible it would be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Imagine. And she's finally sort of reckoning with that. So she had that um, moment with Fred when they're processing the visit and she says they could send me back to be yeah. a handmaid and I'm like yeah let that sit with you for a moment <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> and when Naomi does say he would still be yours of course if released you know she'll mind the baby while you're <laughs> indisposed <laughs> Naomi's greedy she already has one baby that ain't hers <laughs> exactly. what does she want another for do you remember Get- the uh, Winslow family and they had like six? Oh god that's that? right mm. oh they did and he yeah. was a big wig status symbols <laughs> yeah oh god it's been a plan she kids I, I've, get out. Never, I've never felt like Naomi's taken to Angela, though. Her little line about, she's, she's, my, joy, she's my joy, was just she's such a, like, a throwaway around. kind of thing. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if you ever properly loved this child as you should. Well, I think baby Angela's feeling the same way. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's a biter. She's biting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just what a delicious yeah. detail. <laughs> so joyful. <laughs> And there was a callback to the fact that Janine saved baby Angela as well. The aunts mentioned that at the dinner table. So, yeah, like, so baby Angela is looming in the background. Interesting, because Janine is on the rise a little bit too, Angela and Janine's trajectories. Oh, yeah, well, Mm. they get to reunite. That would be so lovely. I want to say Janine may be biting back, but (laughs) (laughs) it is genetic. But how interesting this whole trajectory with Serena and Fred, because last episode they were on the up. And now they're like, oh, shit, we, we can never go back to Gilead. And so our only gambit here is to turn on Gilead for our own sake and our freedom. Like, it's mm-hmm. kind of brilliant, mm, but is. devastating for June and her, you know, any hope of justice for her. But also makes sense because how often do victims of sexual assault get the justice they deserve, right? Yeah, I really enjoyed seeing the fact that Fred was abandoned by Gilead. And it just was another reminder that, like, he's always been the one that had the power. Uh, despite the fact that Gilead has behaved that way to so many other people, he's never been on the receiving end of it. So all of a sudden he has been abandoned and actually felt the power of Gilead and he's shocked. Mm-hmm. Like He's actually shocked by it. Like how could they have just left him there to rot? Um, so, yeah, now he's fully facing their future. He's also just coming to realise it as well. Like when he's in the chapel with Serena, he's like, I will do everything in my power to protect you and our son. And Serena's just like, what power, what power mate? <laughs> <laughs> Your friends have abandoned you and they're coming for my baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, the whole, like, it's finally dawning on them that maybe taking someone's baby's not a great thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, just the whole, you know, the rules are for thee and not for me. Like that's them... Yep 
to a T. Mm-hmm. Didn't mean that last bit to rhyme, but there you go. It's just come up and it's, it's a bit change. Talking about Fred and Serena and now they're realising that Gilead is not coming to save them in any way. They know kind of exactly what June's going to say. They're now sort of stuck and problem solving, but... I'm just like, mm. what actually are their options? Like for like Serena, because Gilead wants that baby. They see it as a Gilead baby. I like how Naomi teased the fact that maybe she could come. If she came back to Gilead, she would be a hero. Mm-hmm. And Serena rightly is saying to Fred, if she went back, they would send her to the colonies or they would make her into a handmaid because I just thought it was a nice bit of a callback to when um, just two episodes ago, I think, when June and Luke and their flashback were really trying to get pregnant and then June was so thrilled when she realized that she was pregnant with Hannah Mm. and I think I said at the time like that's the thing that's going to turn her into a handmaid and of course Serena is thrilled that she is pregnant and she's been thrilled this whole time and now it's just dawned on her that actually the fact that she is pregnant means that she could get Mm. turned into a handmaid Mm -hmm. I thought oh this is delicious (laughs) (laughs) it very much is and you know, it's all to repent for your sins. Serena turned in Fred. It's, yeah, they've, they've got just cause in Gilead eyes. Yeah, in terms of like, you know, Gilead not coming from them for them and that kind of thing, I never thought Serena ever planned to go back to Gilead because she turned Fred into the Americans, right? Like, so I thought she was going to have to figure out how to forge a life in Canada somehow. And she gave up the dress and the hair. Yeah. Like she, yeah. she very much had left some of those um, Gilead markers behind. Whereas Fred, you know, you, I mean, I, I think he was going to be locked away for ages. That's what I was hoping. But you would understand that he would hope that Gilead would be bargaining on his behalf, but also that they'd kind of let a brother go because this band of brothers is you know, more about <laughs> oh, practicality the, than... The thickest things, yeah, yeah exactly. those, those Gilead fellas. <laughs> but when she put the teal back on and like reunited with Fred, I thought the strategy there was that they would make a plea bargain of some sort mm-hmm. and both return to Gilead and that she was accepting that fate, but under the assumption that she would be protected in Gilead because she would be by Fred's side and mm-hmm. she'd have that kind of protection from a commander... But the idea of potentially getting returned to Gilead without Fred is what's now kind of changed her opinion about returning to Gilead because she won't be protected. Yeah, yeah, it is very revealing. Like, well, Twell has definitely revealed his had his cards revealed yeah. in this episode. Yeah, um, and that's obviously been the plan all along. What if Fred? He's agreed to uh, share his wealth of knowledge, inside information about Gilead. All its top players, future plans. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Wait, what? You're going to have to catch me up. So Tuella's long game has been to to get Fred, to get Fred to to switch sides and become an informer on Gilead. And he's used June to, to get to that point. Oh, that's so horrible, isn't it? So Serena and Fred... Are they still together? Are they still a thing? They're still a united front? Yes. That's well, what, well yeah. that's what I'm wondering because, I mean, like that scene in the chapel is Serena realising that Fred doesn't have any power and, you know, why is she teaming up with him because, you know, he can't do anything for her. But if he's now informing on Gilead, then maybe he does have some power yeah. and she, yeah. she should stick with him. So I'm, I'm kind of not quite sure which way she's going. I think right now. Yes. It in her best interest to... Well, she uses soft power here in the chapel to tell him about Naomi's ploy and, um, yeah, that works (laughs) because Fred's like, I'm sorry, no way. So, yeah, then he flips. So, yeah, like to get out, I think they're very much joined at the hip, but, uh, yeah, once out... (laughs) 
Yeah, for as long as he's useful, I think. <laughs> Maybe this is why Twilla has been like so chummy and close with Serena because, you know, he also wants to work her to get to Fred, to flip him. Mm. Yeah, he's um, definitely on the flipping of the Fred, the whole real politique, you know, he, yeah. it's whatever works. So this and... means that Fred gets off scot-free. Well, exactly. I mean... This is why June is so bloody pissed. And it occurred to me, her monologue to Twello about Serena a couple of episodes back, you know, run for your life. That's really a message for Twello. Now we're seeing, you know, as she comes at him, run mm. for your life, buddy, if you've crossed her. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Called it. I just like, I have to, I should have said this is one of my highlights actually was um, at the very end when June does her very June thing where clearly she is pissed off and she takes it sort of, it's sort of internal and it comes out through the eyes, I yep. think. And then she just sort of like quietly turns towards the exit Delicious. and then she just goes for it and you just see Luke and Moira like, oh shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rage monster on the loose. Yeah, yeah. Um, but how devastating is this for June? Like everything she went through, you know, that whole speech at the ICC pre-hearing, whatever it was, you know, like mm. that took courage. And to have nothing come of it, like... Well, yeah, and... Toello, the way he just sort of stammers out that Fred is the big asset now, yeah. you know, he can't get out of there quick enough. If he was smart, he would have just sent an email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would not have broken that news in person. Fred's out. Okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he says to June about the testimony, you testified so the world could hear the truth. It's like, that's it. Okay. That's it. <laughs> there was meant to be more to it, but sure. Uh, it's like, mm. She testified to get justice. Exactly. Justice hasn't happened. It wasn't just for a platform. Her personal pain isn't just your, you know, PR. It's she needs more than that. Yeah. It's pretty empty, isn't it? And but then he says, you know, sometimes you have to let one fish go to catch a lot of other bigger fish. Bigger fish. Sounds like Lawrence, hey? The thing is, like, what we've been hearing from the people around June is how lucky June is that she's been able to see her abusers and that she's been able to say her piece and who actually gets to have that. But now we're like, oh, was that it? Is That's that... not enough. That's not, not enough. enough. So it was like, is June going to bump into Serena at the grocery shop? Like, what? <laughs> what? Mm. <laughs> going to come besties. If I was well, Rita, I would move 100%. Well, I mean, she's she ends screaming and threatening the life of Tuello in front of the Secret <laughs> Service. Like, you know, the worst thing would be she gets arrested. And it's, oh, God. You know, oh, like that no. would be ugh, extreme. I think everyone can forgive her anger there. I think that's surely it's... Well, how far does she take it? Yeah. That my point. Like, yes. she, someone get her some professional therapy already. <laughs> I mean, Long overdue. <laughs> hmm Yes. So, like, what happens... Next episode, last episode. I can ask you the same thing. The finale. Where are we at? So I am building on your theory, Fiona, that it is all about the children. Same. Mm. And and I thought, okay, well, who were the children that we all kept hearing about in episode nine? Mm. And of course, it is Hannah and Nicole. And Angela. Oh, yeah, and Angela. And anyway, (laughs) yes. So. Bite away out of the household. Um, we were talking about merch before. It can be like um, teething rings or something. Oh, that's so funny. Anyway. My baby will take one of those. Um, 
so yeah, so if it is around the kids, then clearly it's going to be around the babies. And is there going to be a trade? I had not actually gone as far as thinking that Nicole was going to be traded for Hannah. Yeah. So now I'm not going to be able to sleep for the next week. Thanks, everyone. I hope that's not the case. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I couldn't. I was like, what's the logical end of what's sort of being played? Or not logical, but like extreme end of what's being suggested here. And that's where my brain Mm. went. I don't know. I I think it is something to do with the kids. It's where is June now? Because she's been at home dealing with that trauma in really unproductive and harmful ways. Um, But Luke's softly put it back on her a little bit this week. So how sustainable is it staying there I don't know but also what what's the practicality of being in that house I think maybe June's I think Moira had a key line right in the beginning of the episode where she had said you saved all those kids you're a hero use it and so now clearly going down the testimony road has not worked out so now June's got to figure out what her other power is and it is it is the fact that she is seen as a hero that she is the one handmaid that everyone knows and um, and I think looking at the fans of the Waterfords, I think maybe in episode 10 or in season five, we'll see June on a platform, perhaps. Haiti, what do you reckon? Mm. You're sitting there, I'm looking at your face, I'm like, what are you thinking? <laughs> um, no, I'm very interested in all of your predictions. I, I'm trying to work out what Fred's going to do now that he's an informer. Is Canada going to put him to work as an informer on Gilead in some kind of way? Or are they just going to kind of get statements from him? Like, I don't really understand how they will use him now. Is he going to help them get Hannah? Oh, <laughs> is he going to? Because then that really screws with how we feel about Fred, right? And this show loves to screw with how we feel about characters. They're neither good nor bad fully either way. Mm. Oh, is yeah. his intelligence going to help them get to is, Hannah? Here's a challenge for the writers. Make me empathise with Fred. (laughs) (laughs) Make me like Fred in some small way because that's never happened. And my other big prediction is that Esther will become the handmaid of Nick. And Mm. I can just feel that in my bones. (laughs) Well, I don't know if he wants her in the household. We know how she makes tea. (laughs) (laughs) He's switching to coffee if he's not already. Um, On the Fred thing, yeah, I think there's a June Fred confrontation now that he's out because she stopped short in the ICC and it was anything else you can get at the trial. She's not going to get that trial. If he's a free man now, I think there's some unfinished business. Yes, because she, you know, she's let rip to Serena. She hasn't let rip to Fred yet. She's now let rip to Tuello. Like there's some rage monster that's going to come for Fred, right? Mm. And I was thinking here, we almost need a leaderboard of power, like who's mm. gained, lost, held. Totally. You know, just kind of, I need a visual, um, yeah, I don't know. Like there's a few wins for that soft power this week. I think with Janine, that's definitely a win on her. We see that she does have some leverage there and can make use that how we don't know 100% yet. I think Luke has a little soft power win here in the combative thing with June that's going on there. Fred, don't even start me. He <laughs> He wins. <laughs> June's obviously lost a bit by the end of the episode there. Lost a fair bit. But she's gained some knowledge about Hannah. Correct. That's still there. I guess that would be the terrible thing in terms of how the season ends. It's been so delicious seeing June sort of escape. Like like a lot of the stuff that we wanted to see we have actually seen mm. and there has been there has yeah. been elements of like revenge or justice or whatever we want to call it. 
it can't end with Fred winning. Like <laughs> it would just be awful. It can't. We can't have had this amazing season to end with Fred winning. I don't think it would be, but it wouldn't be Fred winning alone. It'd be Fred winning along with June winning, or so you know, like somehow their their fortunes. Like if he if he does help her reach Hannah somehow. You know, like it means there's a win on both sides, but you're like, wait, no, but he's supposed to be punished. This isn't right, but mm, what? Yeah. I do feel like after the euphoria of the season finale of last season that this one is going to end in a darker place to take us into season five. I just can't see a big triumph at the end of this this season. Yeah, agreed. It was at the end of the Yalin Chang that I speculated about the finales hinging on kids but they also hinge on June's in, she's out, she's in, she's out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, that's such a whole thing. She's not going back in, is she? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you said that, Sonny. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's always think... kids and June and where are they? <laughs> I think she's going to go back in to try to find Hannah in Colorado, oh, I oh. think. She She's paired up with Fred and they both have to go back into Gilead and oh, Fred takes her with her and they're just forced together. She's ha- his handmaid again. <laughs> or his wife. Undercover. No. <laughs> this is getting real wacky. Now All we're right. jumping the shark. I'm calling it. No, we're done. All right. Oh, my Lord. There's only one way to find out. Uh, thanks for listening. We hope that helped. We're off to look up Gilead's marriage registry to work out who the hell um, Nick's, Nick's married to now. But... Um, Thank you to my co-hosts, Haiti Island, Sana Kadar and Natalie Hambly. And thank you for listening. We love that you choose to watch this series along with us and we'd love to know what you think. Do reach out on Twitter. You can find me at anything but Fifi. Haiti, where can we find you? At Haiti Island. Sana, where can we find you? At Sana underscore Kadar. And Natalie? At Natalie Hambly. And use that hashtag eyes on Gilead, which... A lot of people have, and it's been going off very much with speculation about uh, Nicole's lineage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people just won't quit speculating that <laughs> Fred's the father. Anyway, yeah, love how closely everyone's watching the series, and I appreciated a few people commented on the use of the white lampshades in yes. Canada, looking like the wings of the handmaids. And now I can't unsee it. Thank you. That's a wonderful detail. But also, someone up. commented, uh, Liz Young, on you know. The, when the handmaids or the former handmaids were sitting together in their group circle therapy, there's lampshades that sort of symbolize the missing handmaids there in the circle. Yeah. I thought that was really clever. There's a photo of it if you want to see what we mean. Now that you see it, it really does look like the handmaids are in there. Yeah, I'm loving all the tweets. People are picking up so much stuff, which is um, fantastic. But I'm also, the ones I'm really feeling this week are the ones who are conflicted about Lawrence, just like I am. <laughs> which is where you love the actor, but can we love the character? Are his Do intentions pure? <laughs> Do you have to? But yes, the tweets are fantastic, so please keep them coming. On the Lawrence thing, I mean, he's on the way up in Gilead. So, yeah, he is the one refusing to negotiate for Fred. Yeah, he is not the big fish. <laughs> well, you know, that will help them. He's not the one who will flip. So, yeah, I think I there's know. a lot more for him in season five. Okay. I don't know. I'm I'm still uncertain as to where he stands and whether he will jeopardise his position by deciding to help at some Mm. point. Mm. Anyway, we've wrapped this one up. We can't keep speculating. Well, let's let's watch the finale, hey? (laughs) (laughs) And we will be back to recap that episode 10 when it drops on SBS On Demand and screens on SBS at 9.30pm on Thursday. And remember, if you speak other languages or know someone who does, SBS On Demand is also subtitling The Handmaid's Tale in simplified Chinese and Arabic. And if you want some more recommendations of things to watch as you await that 
long-awaited finale, head to SBS Guide where we've got some recommendations of other things to watch if you're into Handmaids. Eyes on Gilead is produced by me, Fiona Williams, and edited and mixed by Jeremy Wilmot. Until next time, don't let the bastards grind you down. You don't own me, I'm not your property, so take your dirty feelings, think and dive off me. Those chicken is dry. <laughs>